It'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. I'm kind of a big deal. Whenever hear the music, Colin, take it away. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuy, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. Welcome into this Tuesday, August 23rd edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10, brought to you in part by the Brown Funeral Home and Cremations, Robert Fields and Sons, a family-owned full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Spencer Twinick, Rosalini, and Colin McLaughlin, happy to have you with us here as uh, we get March ever closer to high school football beginning in the Mountain State Thursday night at Moomaw Stadium at Edgesville High School. Edgesville will host Washington. We'll have that game for you. 7 p.m. kickoff, 6 p.m. pregame show. It'll be myself and Dylan Bishop and Colin will be on the sidelines. Then on Friday, uh, we'll be at Martinsburg High School as the Bulldogs host Salem out of Virginia. 7 p.m. kickoff, 6 p.m. pregame. Colin, myself, and Dylan Bishop and with Dylan on the sidelines for that that game. And uh, let's uh, talk more about college football. We talked Shepard yesterday in the opening segment as well. Uh, we didn't talk about this, but we did kind of know about it. And, you know, Coach uh, McCook didn't say it didn't mention his name during the uh, presser, but that was Malachi Brown receiver out right out of Martinsburg. Actually, uh, he is out for the season due to an injury, Nick. Yeah. Uh, we knew about this yesterday, or at least we had kind of figured out based on elimination that Malachi Brown uh, was the player that coach McCook had mentioned out of the wide receiver room that had a uh, significant injury and wasn't going to be able to play this season. So, uh, definitely you know a big loss i think for this team because he's a guy that i thought was going to take a big step forward for Shepard in the receiver room uh a guy that had shown some flashes here and there uh last year when he was on the field and really just needed an opportunity and he was going to get that this year so it's an unfortunate injury uh for the team and obviously for the player in malachi brown um good thing is Shepard does have a ton of wide receivers uh, that I think can make some plays, but definitely unfortunate, I think, to lose him because he was a local kid that was really, I think, ready to take a big step up for this football team. So an unfortunate injury there. Yeah, he was going to most likely be a uh, starter for the wide receiver core for Shepard. So Brown now being out for uh, the season will definitely hurt and sad to see since, as Nick just said, he was a local guy from the uh, Martinsburg area. So going on hopefully the uh depth that they do have at the wide receiver spot for Shepard can uh pick things up and they are still successful which I think all of us in here still think they will it's just unfortunate to see that uh this happened to Malachi yeah it's definitely very unfortunate best of luck to him in his recovery as uh hopefully he'll still be able to play football next year and beyond uh but let's move over to WVU football now. We've talked a lot about Shepard, and we'll continue to break them down going into next week as well. But, uh, Colin, are you uh, you ready for the Mountaineers? Of course. They play Pitt week one. Why wouldn't I be ready? Seven offensive linemen will play at Pitt, starting quarterback to be revealed in the near future. That's according to Monday afternoon. It's going to be JT Daniels. What What is he talking about? I don't know, the same I'd be very surprised if it's not JT Daniels. 
Well, I think you got to, uh, you know, keep the intrigue there of who that quarterback might be. So I think uh, keeping Pitt more so off their their game a little bit because they have to prepare maybe for multiple guys. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's obviously going to be Daniels. I mean, he has the experience at big-time programs in Georgia and USC. Uh, injuries just kind of kept him from being their starting quarterback uh, for you know the future. So I think he's obviously the most talented guy. So unless he came in and was just like terrible, uh, there's no way he's not the starter. And from what I've heard, I think, is that he's been pretty good uh, when I've read some things about JT Daniels and the excitement that West Virginia has for him in that program. So um, it's definitely a guy that will be their starting quarterback for this first game against Pitt. And I don't, I know why Neil Brown's not saying it, saying it uh, more so for the probably the opposition, uh, but it, it's pretty obvious. I think everybody knows it. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the similar situation that's happening at the other Division One school in the state of West Virginia with Marshall. Uh, it's it's all the odds are it's going to be Henry Henry Columbia, uh, the transfer from Tech. To say, I can't remember where he's transferred. Texas Tech. Texas Tech, that's what it was. Uh, But uh, head coach Charles Huff has not uh, named the starter officially yet. And it's weird because I was, Nick, I mean, we're familiar with the herd and uh, you're familiar with, you know, some of the people on that roster. And it's funny because the guy that's throwing around us competition for Columbia is a freshman that just played a little bit last year when when Marshall uh was winning games heavily or when uh, uh when things weren't going that way and it, Cam Fincher which is kind of interesting that a guy that had very little action is up against a you know a power 5 transfer. Yeah. I I'm a little surprised too by that. I I would think, you know, Cole Pennington would be in the running and uh, maybe some of their other freshman quarterbacks that uh Chase Harrison yeah, the one they, guy from Florida that was uh, what was that guy's name? You know what I'm talking about? The guy uh, from Florida that was training Z, with AB? I believe. Yeah, I, I can't think of his his, his uh, last name off the top of my head or his first name right now. Peter Zam something Zambro. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Nick. I know it, it, they just <laughs> haven't talked about all these freshman quarterbacks. So uh, Peter Zamora. It is tough for a uh, freshman though to come in and start right away so probably why unless you're like a five-star big time recruit which obviously neither of those guys were so uh it's gonna be uh the texas tech transfer um it definitely will be and i don't think there's really any questions but i mean marshall has other concerns probably their best player yeah nick uh get a release this morning still on the media list for marshall and get a release from head coach Charles Huff, Rasheen Ali will be away from the team for some time, and as soon as he is mentally, physically, and emotionally ready to return, he will be back. Our team and staff are doing a great job of supporting him, and we are looking forward to getting him back soon. We do not have an anticipated return date at this time. When we do, we will let everyone know out of privacy and respect for Rasheen and his family we will not comment further on the topic until he's back with us and Rasheen Ali was on a bunch of watch lists this year uh, and he you know last year he took the the nation by storm really yeah I mean he was a great running back for Marshall so hopefully he's able to uh, get back with the team soon um, because they're going to need him you know not necessarily for this first that first game against Norfolk State 
I think they can definitely win that game without Rasheen Ali. But, I mean, Notre Dame, they're probably not going to win anyway. Uh, but definitely not without Ali in the lineup. They're even going to have a chance. And then some of their other non-conference games are weaker this year because of them switching conferences. So they had to fill some games in and uh, lost some of their games that they had before. So Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's 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 tough. And, you know, you look at that statement and it's kind of confusing you. Right, Nick? You, I told you and you were kind of confused by it. Yeah, I had thought that this sounded like something – you know off the field uh you know your mind just kind of starts to wonder so hopefully it's nothing like that uh that would be you know detrimental to his future i guess yeah and uh best of luck to him as he continues or gets try to get tries to get back on the field for the herd this season who uh will i believe in october be about an hour and a half from here down at james madison university playing the dukes uh but uh but but let's put a bow on this college statement segment uh colin you're not gonna be able to watch the west virginia game but but uh what are you anticipating against Pitt next week it's gonna be a really tough game We'll have to wait and see how these uh, lines do to be able to protect uh, most likely JT Daniels. I know we just spoke at the beginning of this segment that uh, Coach Neil Brown is trying to hide who that starting quarterback's going to be, but I think everybody would be surprised if it's not JT Daniels. And how the weapons are for JT Daniels, and if he's healthy enough to be the elite quarterback that he's capable of being, what we saw during his time at USC and at Georgia, he was a winner, but once he got injured, other guys that were also winners stepped in and that kind of phased him out. It's not his fault that they uh, won, so you just got to hope that he can continue having success and stay healthy. But also at the same time, Pitt's a tough team. They're nationally ranked. I don't know how they'll actually be because, you know, they just lost their starting quarterback Kenny Pickett their starter is going to be a USC transfer as well who was partially hurt yeah so I mean I mean they essentially made a trade with USC because they're a wide receiver left from Pitt to USC and now they have Pitt's or USC's one of their quarterbacks I mean obviously that's not how they wanted it to go down (laughs) not at all had uh, one of the best wide receivers in the nation but um I think it's gonna be a good game I think it'll be fun it's always a good rivalry uh still wondering if we see more wvu fans or more pit fans i don't know pitt maybe pit doesn't, doesn't want pit fans don't want to go to Acrisure stadium because they're boycotting it because it's not heinz field they pit never fills up yeah. Acrisure stadium because it's not on campus i yeah. think is a big reason for it yeah. All right, well, that will do it for this segment. Remember, you can hear all the WVU games right here on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM AM 740. Begins next week with the Neil Brown Press Conference show at 1 to 2 p.m. And then on that, that's on Tuesday. And then on Tuesday night, 6 to 8, the Neil Brown Coaches Show. That'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix, brought to you in part by Parsons Ford. Ken Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Go to ParsonsFord.com for more. On the other side of this break, we'll talk some high school football here as we're a couple days away from the beginning of the season. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10.
This just is football season when I hear this song. I'm ready to go. You ready for football season, Colin? Of course. Nick, you ready for football season? Yeah. Yeah, man. All right, welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR TV 10. Spencer Dupuy, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin. There's that Nick personality that we've been waiting to hear and see. Yeah, we're happy to have you with us here as we are to go away, Colin. I don't know, in the summer. I don't know. In the summer, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. We're just ready to get going. Uh, but two days away from high school football here in the Mountain State, Thursday night, 7 p.m. kickoff for Hedgesville and Washington. Went out to Washington practice yesterday with Dylan, and I was kind of initially concerned. I was like, why is there nobody on the field? Didn't realize that they had their JV game against Hedgesville yesterday. Ah. So there was just the varsity-only players. And I was like, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of players on the field when, when we were there for EPAC All Access. And I was like, Oh, and then I heard, I heard Coach Simpson talking about how he had, a, I believe he had to call plays last night for JV because one of their JV coaches was unavailable. Uh, but uh, should be an interesting game, guys. You said that it was the same two teams. It was Hedgesville, Washington for the JV game. I believe so. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder how that strategy-wise, you know, going in, if you try to keep certain play calls out of the JV. Ready for them during a or they run action a or anything like that? Do they run? Probably don't because you want to run the same offense just in case somebody goes down varsity wise and I you have to bring up somebody from JV, right? Know I don't each know. other well enough that it doesn't matter. Like You're they, probably right since it's conference teams yeah, that play every year. I mean, they've played every year. They know the kids. They know what what they're running. So, but at the same time, we did hear at least on the Hedgesville side from Coach Faircloth that they might, you know spread things out at least varsity wise yeah but jv then you gotta imagine that they probably don't have the same Athletes. talent level on the you know wide receivers and stuff like that because typically i don't feel like hedgesville has like big name wide receivers like they maybe have this year uh and that's why they've kind of adjusted their offense to their personnel so i would still expect that you're just gonna run whatever you would run at jv jv typically though is also uh, less complicated offensive wise, you know, because you're just kind of, especially week one, you're just kind of simplifying things because it's for the younger kids that haven't really, uh, you know, gotten used to the offense probably at the high school level anyway. So it's going to be a more simplified offense, uh, I would imagine, than the varsity where these guys are used to being in the system and they kind of know everything. You can kick off the season, you know, on a high note and run all the stuff you have. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that as well, and I think it's going to be a hard-fought game between these two teams. Uh, but, I mean, I think this week is going to set the tone for a lot of teams. Would you guys tend to agree to see where they are since there's a few EPAC on EPAC matchups? Yes and no. I think those EPAC games are going to tell us a little bit about these teams early on, but it's definitely not the end-all, be-all uh, for the season. You could see a team come out week one and just look amazing and then really struggle throughout the rest of the year Uh, or the same thing could happen where a team just looks absolutely terrible week one and then ends up being a pretty decent team when the year is all said and done Uh, I think Hedgesville is a good example of that I don't think they looked very good last year against Washington in that first game Uh, they maybe showed a little bit of improvement from the year before but then as the year went on uh, they looked like a competitive football team so and in the opposite, it was Washington that 
looked all right there in that week one game, getting another shutout, but again, finishing the season at five and five. Yeah, and I think Washington still had some good moments throughout the season. So it's just week one at the end of the day. You definitely want to get off to a hot start typically, but uh, it can go either way. So I mean, nobody ever wants to lose. Right. Yeah. But like Coach Sims says, or Sims even said that, you know, when we talked to him, like it wasn't end-all, be-all if they don't beat Musselman week one. They want to beat Musselman week one. They think they can beat Musselman week one. But if they were to lose, they still have high hopes for the season. Yeah, and you talk about that game. I think that game we're going to see what we missed potentially from this Musselman team last year. I think that – and you bring up the point from the Spring Mills side, but I want to see from Musselman's side how much are they going to terrorize this Spring Mills defense. Because the way the offense looks, it's, they could terrorize defenses – and that's kind of how it's set up. I mean, you got the triple option in there as well. You've got some passing. You've got some other running plays. I think it's going to be interesting to see how much Brian Thomas opens the playbook week one. Yeah, because we said it during our EPAC All Access that we believe that Hartman and Adamas can be one of the uh, top duos in the state for that quarterback-wide receiver connection. So... I'd agree. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Musselman does and if that connection is as good as what we think it's going to be against a very young Spring Mills team that, due to their youth, you probably want to exploit and try to air it out and uh, take more chances than you typically would possibly against other teams. Well, I think Musselman needs to get off to a quick start to the season because from what I remember from last year, uh, I can remember Coach thomas being frustrated sometimes with just how his team started games and they were kind of getting behind early i could be misremembering that well he was I, happy I with the way they started that thing. that martinsburg game yeah there were, there were a that few games return. that i think coach thomas was just like frustrated with how the team came out early and then they kind of put themselves in a tough hole uh now some of that might have been you know after the injuries when they we're kind of relying on younger players that maybe weren't ready to play. But I remember that being a kind of a big storyline from last year uh, to go along with the injuries and maybe why Musman finished three and seven. So I think it's really important for them to jump out to a quick start against Spring Mills, especially because Spring Mills has to go in there with pretty much a feeling of they got nothing to lose because they're a young football team. You know, they haven't really experienced uh, these kind of big games early in the season and they're anticipating a good year for them so you know they're i think gonna not really have a lot to be nervous about while musselman you know the pressure's on musselman this year they want to be right back where they were last year so uh if you allow a team that's you know younger and inexperienced like spring mills is to sneak around stick around all of a sudden you could see an upset victory here. And I know it's week one, so it's hard to really call anything an upset. But I do think if Spring Mills were to beat Musselman, I think a lot of us would be surprised uh, with and all the talent. that pressure out on Musselman, I don't really feel like it's coming from us or from around the state. They're putting a lot of that pressure on themselves. When yeah, we yeah. talked with Baden Hartman, for example, he said watching last year on that sideline it was painful because of how much that team struggled and they don't want to be the senior class that is remembered as a team with a losing record yeah so to be able to bring that out and come back i agree that's a lot of pressure for them i want to go on another thing you said about the spring mill side 
if they can week in and week out and play as a team with nothing to lose, then they'll be dangerous. But that's always a tough mentality to truly get yourself into. And I don't know, because of the youth that they have, if week one they'll be able to get themselves into that mentality maybe until week seven. Yeah, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But uh, it's definitely an intriguing matchup that, uh, depending on maybe how the game goes down, we could get a better idea of how good those teams are going to be. Um on both sides but it is like i said just week one so we'll have to i guess jump around to the other matchups yeah uh the other matchup we'll get to martinsburg last as we'll have that one for you as well uh but millbrook and jefferson jefferson traveling to millbrook in virginia and you know we've talked at lengths the one question is who's quarterback i would think by now that we would know um i'm forgetting his last name at least the person that we were told. Yeah, uh, but that'll be interesting. I mean, you look at Millbrook last year; they were one and nine. Um, they lost Jefferson fifty to twenty three in week one last year, and their only win was an overtime thirty nine thirty eight over Liberty and Bealton, Virginia. Uh, but I think Jefferson could potentially, uh, you know, light it up again if you can get the running game and the passing game going and, and stay stable on defense. Yeah, and I think for this first game, especially going up against a team in Millbrook that wasn't very good last year. So let's just presume they're not uh, that much improved this year. Um, I think Jefferson will come out and probably try to establish the run early on and maybe get a few quick passes, you know, slant routes, stuff underneath to get the confidence for your quarterback. But really, if you can establish Evan Toole early in this ball game uh, and jump out on front of Millbrook, uh, you got a good chance to, I think, beat him pretty handily uh, based on that result of last year and what we know about what's coming back for Jefferson. Now, Millbrook, I don't know much about them, I mean, being a team not in our area, but uh, obviously not a great season last year. We'll see if they can maybe make some improvements. Uh, but unlike a school like Sharando, who seemed like uh, was really, I guess, on the rise and just having a, a few down years and will be back this year, we think, to being pretty good, uh, I don't know if Millbrook will be in that same type of category. So I think Jefferson probably handles them. Uh, yeah. But it's going to be important for them to really take the pressure off of that starting quarterback, You know, get Evan Toole going, get him the ball early and often, and open up some holes from him to run through. And if you can establish that run, then you uh, really take away, I guess, any chances of, of potentially losing that game if you if you have a good ground game going. Yeah, and with Jefferson's wide receiver core, they got a lot of speed, so you don't really always need to throw it deep to them to try to see how they are physical-wise in a 50-50 situation. You can, as uh, Nick said, do those quick little routes and let them make the plays. Yards after carry could be a big thing for Jefferson to find success this year since we don't really know how the quarterback spot is going to be for them. But we do know how that running spot is in the running back in Evan Toole. He was a 1,000-yard guy last year. He wants to get 2,000 this year. That's probably an overreach, but I'd like to see him again get over 1,000 yards. Maybe even over 1,200 yards would be pretty cool. And he definitely has the capability of doing it. So I think you'll have to rely on him here in week one and go from there. 
Yeah, and let's move on to the final matchup, the Martinsburg matchup, as we'll have every game for you this year for Martinsburg. As always, they're hosting Salem out of Virginia again, the same week one matchup as last season. Uh, we talked with head coach there for the Salem Spartans yesterday uh, as we're prepping for the broadcast, Colin, and this Salem team coming off last year. Uh, they they rolled off a bunch of wins after that loss to Martinsburg, and they uh, they fell in the state semifinal to Broad Run out of Northern Virginia. Yeah, those were their only two losses, their first game and probably their last game to eliminate them in that state semifinals. They're a really good team. They're looking to be a good team again this year. Question, I think, will be more on the defensive side for Salem rather than the offensive side because they got a lot of guys that are uh, all-state players returning on that offensive side only having to replace I believe uh, coach Holter said six guys on the offense eight on the defense so they'll have some struggle there but I think the guys that they are bringing in have a lot of experience still as backups from last year's team so I don't think it's going to be too much of a uh I don't even want to say the word rebuild because, as Coach Holter said, it's a retooling, just like we say for Martinsburg. This program in Salem is a really good program, so I'm expecting a pretty great game on uh, Friday that hopefully Martinsburg wins. I think they got the uh, better talent and athletes to do so. We'll just have to wait and see if uh, the little things that we saw that seem like they could be issues during the scrimmage and some of the practices that we went to will be issues in week one or if they've uh, fixed those issues or not yet yeah there'll definitely be something to see but again 6 p.m friday uh, 7 p.m kickoff between martinsburg and salem out of virginia let's quickly look around the whole state and see what big triple a games are happening this week i mean there are quite a few to start off the season i mean huntington spring valley that's always a good week one game that kind of sets the tone for each of their seasons uh, Nick, you called Huntington quite a, f- a couple of years ago, uh, and totally different team. They faced Martinsburg in the state semifinal last year, or the state final, excuse me, last year, falling to Martinsburg. But uh, I feel like this Spring Valley game is always an early year test. Yeah, I think they couldn't play that game the year that I did Huntington, so uh, you know didn't really get to experience that because that year they started against Cabell Midland, uh, but. The Highlanders still have Gavin Locko, who we know is one of the better quarterbacks in the state, uh, even though you know he struggled in that state championship game. I think Huntington will uh, still probably be one of the top teams in the state this year with Locko leading the way. I mean, anytime you have a experienced quarterback, that puts you in a pretty good position. Uh, so I think the Highlanders could get that win over Spring Valley, but Spring Valley is always a tough team, so that's going to be a really fun game. Uh, to witness down in the southern part of the state um, but based on what I know about who's coming back for Huntington I'm not 100% sure since it has been you know two years since I did their game so I know Locko's back and I know that having that quarterback and a guy that played at a really high level for them uh, will put them in a good situation under head coach Billy Seals yeah definitely will put them in a good situation uh morgantown facing south charleston also a thursday night kickoff uh south charleston kind of had a down season last year and morgantown didn't uh got into the playoffs but wasn't where they usually are i think that's a good game to have on a thursday night as well uh but seems like there's a few marquee matchups in the state as well i mean capital parkersburg south you saw parkersburg south here in the first round of the playoffs last year 
uh, St. Albans, Parkersburg, um, University against John Marshall, uh, Cabell Midland, George Washington. That's a big uh, MSAC game, Nick. Yeah, it is. Um, Cabell Midland's trying to replace quite a few players from last year. Uh, I think Jackson Fetty is gone now, so they'll have to be uh, relying on some newcomers, I think, in that backfield there for Cabell Midland. Uh, but they're always a physical football team. Don't know too much about GW's squad this year, but I think they were in the they were in the playoffs last year, so they were a uh, yeah. tough team that got better as the season went on. From what I remember with our conversations with Adam Rogers, so uh, they're a team to look out for. I think then that's another good rivalry game in that conference, so that should be fun. Yeah, looking at the other games going on, Buchanan, Upshur, and Bridgeport. You know, Bridgeport has, is very good with their win. Uh, Point Pleasant, a double-A team facing Greenbrier East. Um, what else did I not mention? Hampshire versus Preston. Lincoln County versus Princeton. Brook versus Ripley. Woodrow Wilson versus Riverside. St. Clairsville, Ohio versus Wheeling Park. Wheeling Park, a team on a couple team or on a team schedule up here. Hurricane going down to double-A to face Winfield. And I think that uh, Oak Hill versus Nichols County in double-A as well, and that's the triple-A the slate. Uh, Parker's Petersburg, a single-A team, is facing Berkeley Springs, your alma mater, Colin, for week one. Yeah, that's always a uh, fun Potomac Valley Conference uh, game, even though Petersburg now, I believe, as you just said, is uh, single-A. Single but that's always a uh, tough opponent to play for Berkeley Springs, but hopefully they still get the win. Yeah, still being a fan of it. Or you could be a fan of a team you don't exactly. broadcast. There you go. All right, well, that'll do it for this segment of the Sports Mix. Brought to you in part by Orsini's Home Store, not just a supply store any longer. Cabinets and designer bedding. After living in his family and an operator right here in Martinsburg at 360 Hackwell's Way. You can go to Orsini's.com for more on the other side of this break. Uh, some commander's news, uh, some kind of foreseen news, and then some Good news about a former player, a legend for this team, uh, getting his due. Plus, KD in the Nets and Albert Pools. Is what's going on with him as he gets ready to retire? We'll talk about that when we come back after this two-minute break. You're tuning in to the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV Ten. Now back to the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM AM 740. And TV 10. Welcome back to this edition of the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Spencer, Nick, and Colin hanging out with you today as we get ever closer uh, to the NFL season. Uh, the Commanders have some news, although it's not shocking because Ron Rivera has basically said it during training camp, uh, is that uh, today officially the uh, Commanders have placed Young on the reserve slash pup list. Uh, you know, you, you see these players start the start training camp on the pup list, meaning they they can't go, but they could be back for the roster for the 53-man roster so they're not on an injured reserve uh but then when you get to this point in camp where you know they're not going to be back for week one you put them on the reserve slash pup list which means he you will be ineligible for the final the first four games of the season will be eligible to return for week five if they take you off the pup list but again you can go on the you can stay on the pup list i believe uh for like nine weeks i think uh but 
Chase Young on the reserve slash pup list, meaning he won't be back until at least week five. I've been hearing things that say he won't be back until Halloween. Uh, but, Colin, your thoughts? It's frustrating because you but want we him knew back. This, Colin. I know. But you want him back, but at the same time, you got to realize that you want him back when he's 100%. So, and being on the pup list is. It sucks because we've seen how bad this defense is right now in the preseason. So him not being there hurts. Obviously can't think, I guess, that he will be a turnaround. Like, as soon as he gets back, hopefully by week five, you never know if it will be week five or if it's going to be later that Chase Young returns, that his impact's going to that defense but it definitely won't hurt because we know the talent that he has we saw his rookie season it was one of the best defensive lines in the nfl and now since he's been hurt they've really struggled and it doesn't fully make sense to me because he wasn't i'd put him at second best i mean what's going on with allen what's going on with sweat why is this defensive line struggling it's not really either of them. I mean, Sweat had a sack the other day. That's one. It's a They're preseason game. Colin, Colin, he's not going to play that often in the preseason game. He got a sack at a preseason game. That's a success for a whole preseason because they don't play that many reps. I mean, are you optimistic about the defense right now? Uh, I mean, if Chase Young can get back by week five, then I'm optimistic. But, I mean, I, I think this is something that was already foreseen. I already knew it was going to happen. It just became official today. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think this could be the final year for the Jack Del Rio experience. Experience. I don't know about that. I mean, Ron Rivera and him are boys. I guess because he could have gotten fired for other things already yeah. that we won't yeah. talk about because it's a sports show. Uh, He's but already com- been fined for that. Yeah, uh, Commanders make another announcement this morning. They will retire quarterback Sonny Jurgensen's number nine, making him the fourth player in franchise history to earn that honor. Uh, Jurgensen, who was inducted to the Hall of Fame in 1983, served as the analyst for the team's radio broadcast from 80, 1981 to 2019 and was one of the organization's most beloved players. The Commanders will have a ceremony for Jurgensen, who turned 88 today at their Week 18 game against Dallas. Uh, they're doing it the right, right way here, guys. We've seen many Seems mistakes. super late, though, doesn't it? Like, Sonny Jurgensen, like you said, he was in the Hall well, of don't, Fame in 1983. Look, look, look they don't, they don't, they don't, retired jerseys literally until they retired bobby mitchell which i believe was that during the COVID season or was that last year that might have been last year yeah they only had sammy ball retired now they're going through and retiring jerseys last year they retired bobby mitchell and sean taylor though the sean taylor announcement was a big debacle because they announced it the week of yeah uh but they're doing it the right way here announcing it months in advance i mean this is literally the end of the this is probably january i think maybe week 18 would be january that's the last regular season game yeah so i mean i think they're doing it the right way here and it's great for him to have uh his jersey retired uh as the commander's washington organization they retire more of their most uh beloved legends i mean is anybody wearing the number nine right now it's probably like what most NFL teams do because I, I don't think the Ravens have ever retired a number and I don't think the Steelers have it either. I think it's just like you don't give it out. Yeah, like uh, like nobody's worn 52. Nobody's worn 75. Remember Togway? 
He used to play for the Rams, then they came to the Commanders as a safety for a year. He wore 21 with the Rams. And, and if you remember... with the Command or with the yeah. Redskins. Joe Theismann had to approve of Dwayne Haskins wearing number seven. That he yep. did. So uh, even though it's not officially retired, it's like... Untouched. Yeah, nobody is wearing number nine right so, now on this team. It surprises me that it hasn't happened yet, but I'm happy that it is. But you can only do it to so many people because then you don't have enough jerseys by the time you, you know... I mean... I don't disagree with that, but there are certain guys that deserve it. I mean, as we said, Sonny's been in the Hall of Fame since 83? Yeah. 40 years. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing it was unofficially retired. Like, I'm guessing 40 years. he's the last. Who was the last person to wear number nine for the— It was probably Sonny Jurgensen. Yeah, so it's probably was never really officially retired. They nobody wore Sean Taylor's number. Nobody as as Nick brought out the Dwayne Haskins thing. I mean, they Collins did. What? Somebody wore twenty one, or was about to. No, nobody wore twenty one. Ryan Clark wore twenty one jersey in practice because he played with him, but nobody ever wore the Sean Taylor number okay. twenty one. They wanted to, they never did. We good over there, Colin? I'm trying to think. For some reason, I thought somebody did. No, nobody wore it. Yeah, I mean, I think Collins was number twenty, wasn't he? Did he go yeah. down to twenty? Yeah, he was always twenty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe he asked permission or something for twenty-one. I had something in my head that he was wanting to wear twenty-one. I think he also wore twenty-one to practice. Maybe. And they and Dan Snyder at the so when Dan Snyder wined and dined him before he signed the contract, he gave him. One of the last remaining game-worn Sean Taylor jerseys. Okay. So that may be what you're thinking about there. Uh, let's move our attention now to the ML, or MLB and NBA, excuse me. Uh, Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant meet to agree to, quote, move forward together after the Stars' trade demands. Uh, so after everything that was made of this, KD will be back with the Nets. Will Kyrie leave? I don't think so. No. I don't think anybody really wants it either of them, it seems like, for whatever reason. I mean, I understand Kyrie because, you know, he's been kind of away from the Nets at times and stuff like that. So that makes sense. But, I mean, KD, I thought somebody was going to get him. I'm really kind of surprised by this. And all I can say to the Brooklyn Nets is, you know, Denny Avdia was on the table. They could have had Denny Avdia (laughs) and, like, Corey Kispert and maybe like a few first round picks. We knew Katie wasn't coming home, man. And he could have been a Washington Wizard, but hey, when the Wizards are the eighth seed this year, don't don't cry to me, Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know. Do, do they bump Brooklyn out of that eighth seed? Is probably that what you're trying not, to say? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the Nets were the seven last year, exactly. So, like maybe. All right. Well, I think this is crazy how much of a big story it was about him getting traded and then where he was going to go and then demands and now he's going to be with the team i think it's good for the nets to to finally have somebody or to finally know that they have him is it good for the nets though is there going to be any tension i mean because it seemed like he didn't want to be there i don't think now he's kind of stuck there we're like a big name player that pretty much every team in the league would want to have request a trade and they end up staying with the team like I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, I think I, I think this Rudy Gobert about. trade really hurt that. Yeah, I mean, what's because going on in Utah? They saw how much was given up for Rudy Gobert. I think that really scared teams because they were like, "Oh, Katie's so much better than Gobert. I, we we don't want to give up an entire farm." Yeah, 
And, and I think there's definitely teams that showed interest. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the Lakers did actually offer, you know, Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now, that's be a terrible trade for Brooklyn, but it is definitely a, a weird situation. So what is the chemistry going to be like with the Nets? I'm sure Ben Simmons is happy. You know, his teammates are going to be there that he said is going to be scary when they get on the court. And now they actually might get on the court together. Yeah, they may get on the court. That'll be interesting to see, but that'll for do it for this games. segment of the sports mix brought to you in part by Hagerstown Ford, revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver to you. If you don't like it, they'll take it back. You can go to HagerstownFord.com for more. On their side of this break, we'll wrap things up. Uh, NBC Sports Washington being sold. Uh, we'll talk about that and what it means and what could potentially could be coming down the line and who it got sold to after this break when we return. You're tuned into the Sports Mix with Spencer and Nick on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM, AM 740, and TV 10. Welcome back to this final segment of the Sports Mix for your Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022, brought to you in part by the Marius Group and Ameriprise Financial Advisors, John Everson and Phil McCoy. You can call Ameriprise Financial Services at 304-263-4343 or stop by their offices right here in Martinsburg at 1270 Winchester Avenue. Spencer Dupuy, Nick Verzellini, and Colin McLaughlin hanging out with you today here as we've got about five or so minutes, four and a half minutes left on today's show. Uh, get the news this morning on Twitter uh, that NBC Sports Washington is being sold and it's being sold by NBC Universal. So NBC Universal owns it ha- all of or a good portion of all of their RSNs, which we remember two years ago during COVID took a hit. They cut a bunch of people from the staff of all the RSNs. And that's kind of the way that things are working with corporate owned RSNs. Well, 33% was already owned. NBC Sports Washington was already owned by Monumental Sports and Entertainment, who owns the Wizards, Capitals, and Mystics. That's Ted Leonsis. Uh, he comes to an agreement with Comcast, NBC Universal, to buy all of NBC Sports Washington. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's changed to Monumental Sports Network now or something like that instead of NBC Sports Well, eventually. So, so it says in this deal, it says... Uh, First of all, it's a one-off transaction. They're not trying to sell off all of their RSNs, though I feel like if they got a, you know, they got some money for them, they wouldn't say no. Uh, eventually, in the future, they do plan to uh, rebrand it, but right now they're keeping it as it is. Uh, the crazy thing here is we've heard his name come up as a potential suitor to buying the Nationals, and we, you know, if you're a DC sports fan, Baltimore sports fan. You know the issues that the Nationals have had with Masson over the years. Now, is he positioning himself to go buy the Nationals and move them to NBC Sports Washington, or is he whatever he wants to call it in the future? That could be something interesting that's happening. Yeah, it's definitely a uh, possibility. wouldn't be surprised if it happens if he does end up buying the Nationals. It's a smart move if he does. Because Cause then you have no rights fees to be paid. Si- there's no rights fees. Both sides of, at least from an Orioles fan perspective, have never enjoyed the uh, money and everything sharing-wise with the Nationals, obviously. So if the Orioles can get Masson back by itself. And but will they another, be able to keep it? 
Yeah. I feel like for a while there, from you know 2012 to the World Series year, the Nationals were what was partially keeping Masson afloat. Well, the Orioles were the one of the better teams in baseball from 2012 to 2016. So I'm talking about then from 2016 to 2020. Well, I know that the Orioles still were getting a lot of views on Masson. They were still up a lot of the times, even though Masson and the Orioles can do it, just like was you bad, know Pirates so. and AT and T. Like it'll be fine. I mean, people are more likely to watch a team at home when they're doing bad than they are to go to games. So I feel like even if the team was struggling, they were probably still getting you know views and still uh, doing all right. Yeah, I just think that's interesting to see because he could position himself to own the network and own three of the four of the teams then that yeah. play on He's gonna the own the entire district. Because, but then the question comes: the Commanders have their pre and post game shows, their preseason, as well as their daily hosted show on that network. Well, Dan Snyder and Ted Leonsis in the past have butted heads. So, what does this mean for that too? Uh, because NBC Sports Washington puts out a very good production of the preseason games, but it, although it's a it's a Commanders production, but it's all on their network. They have all the reporters on their network. And the thing with NBC Universal is NBC Universal, NBC Four in Washington was using the sports people from NBC Sports Washington. So a lot of moving parts. Maybe in this Dan deal. sells to Ted. <laughs> what is Ted Leonsis going to own everything? Yeah. He's going to own everything in DC. Yeah. Why not? Buy the Who owns district? DC United? Uh, not I know Ted Leonsis. Mark Ingram owns part of it. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition that of the Sports serious, Mix. By the way. For Colin, no, Nick, <laughs> I'm Spencer saying so long. We'll talk to you tomorrow.